My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Welcome to one of the favorite parts of the year for me. Uh, I will speak personally. I, I am uh, a huge fan of our Wednesday night Lenten uh, services. Uh, our children have grown up uh, looking forward to them. Two of them are now off at college and so as a dad, that's one of the reasons I love these, because they love them. Um, but I also love what we do here on Wednesday nights because um, the, the longer I'm here, the older I get. Uh, the, what, that wasn't a joke? That wasn't a laugh line? Gosh. Is it, is it obvious? Um, but I become more acutely aware of how, uh, in a special way, during Lent on Wednesdays, we are a family together. Which I hope is true in lots of other ways throughout the year as well. But tonight, uh, and for the next four weeks, that's true. Uh, you know, we share a meal together. Um, in a large church like ours, we have five services every weekend, and, and inevitably that creates sort of silos. I mean, there's no way around that. Um, this is one of the few times of the years, year when we can come together for one single service. I trust we've got people from a lot of the different, maybe all of our different five services, so that's wonderful. We have a chance to, to learn a little bit together uh, and then worship with this beautiful Holden Evening Prayer Service. Uh, and it's get, the days are getting longer, so that's kind of nice too. Anyway, I, I'm a big fan of this time of year, and I'm excited again to begin uh, this Lenten uh, journey with all of you. This year, um, <clears throat> again, we are doing a series. We've done series now during this Lenten season for a while in different ways. This year we are uh, reading a book. I think most of you know that we've been talking about it. Uh, it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son by a man named Henry Nowen. Uh, we do still have a few copies left, I think, at the welcome counter if you've not yet had a chance to pick one up. Um, and we also have handouts that indicate what we're going to be walking through uh, every week. My, my job tonight at the start of this five-week series, I feel like, is to sort of set the table for our time together. Uh, and so I want to do that in a few quick ways. Um, the first of which is I just want to say a word about Henry Nowen. Um, and a reminder every week again between the meal and worship at 6 o'clock, whoever's preaching is going to lead a little discussion um, Thank you to those of you who came to that tonight. I think that's going to be some fruitful and interesting time together. Uh, but the first question, actually, that was asked is, can you tell me something about this, this author, Henry Nouwen? So I, I want to start there. Um, Nouwen uh, was born in um, the Netherlands. He's a Catholic priest. Um, he, he, he died in 1996. Very respected uh, academic and theologian. Uh, he spent most of his professional career as a, a professor um, in sort of the loftiest uh, heights of the ivory tower. He, he, he taught at uh, Harvard and at Yale uh, and at Notre Dame. Um, and after about two decades in the academy, he felt this call uh, to work or to partner with or to live at a community called uh, Larch. Uh, I, I do not speak French. I apologize, those of you who do. It's um, L capital A R C H E. Is that how you say it? Kind of. Anyone? 
about, what, did, what was that? Yes, kind of, all right, whatever. Large. Um, it, it's still a thing. Large has 147, I think, communities in the world today, um, 35 countries, five continents, and it's communities that are focused on um, adults with uh, mental disabilities, uh, intellectual disabilities. So now in, uh, went from this sort of high-powered academic career where he was uh, teaching and accompanying in one particular way and, and moved into this community where he was with people um, who saw the world in different ways and uh, he learned to walk with them uh, and he's written other books about that. But while he was at that community, he discovered for the first time in his life this painting, uh, which is by Rembrandt. It's called, it's the same title as the, as, thank you, Sarah. That wasn't a laugh line either, but thank you. <laughs> it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And um, it, it became for now in the, the painting, which of course is a painting by Rembrandt based on Jesus' parable about the prodigal son. It became for now and a kind of a touchstone uh, for the rest of his, his life. And this book is the story of why that was the case and uh, why it was so important to him. And over the next five weeks, uh, we're going to journey with now and to discover uh, why it was so important to him. So that's a little bit of background and context about uh, Henry Now and a beloved teacher, a beloved writer, um, a thoughtful author. I think you will enjoy uh, reading this book and, and, and talking about it. So that's one thing I wanted to say tonight. The other, I, I want to say just two other things, and they are based on the subtitle of the book. Again, the title of the book, same as the title of the painting, um, The Return of the Prodigal Son, and the subtitle is A Story of Homecoming. And I'm not interested in talking about the words a or of, so I want to say a word about story and homecoming. So story. Um, <clears throat> you know, we are wired as human beings for stories, to tell stories, uh, to listen to stories. You hear words like, once upon a time, or let me tell you a story or, you know, a more contemporary twist on the old uh, fairy tale, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> right? And what happens when we hear words like that? Uh, we lean in. We're like, yeah, tell me a story. What, what's going to happen? Um, what's what, 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 what's going to happen to the hero or the heroine? How are they going to navigate the difficulties, the challenges? And uh, because stories like that are so powerful, it's also a powerful exercise to think of our own lives in, in terms of sort of narrative arc or, or story, you know, among, we could talk about this for a long time, but I mean, do we, for example, think of ourselves as the hero? This is a genuine question of our story. Do we think of ourselves as the victim of our story? Do we think of ourselves as buffeted by, you know, chance and fate? Or do we think of ourselves as people who have, the word I will use is agency, which is a narrative term that talks about, do we have some power in our lives? Uh, here in this place, we would say with God's help always and through God's grace. But do we have some power in our lives to reflect on maybe uh, what's happened in our past and figure out how to let go of past grief and pain or hurt? Uh, do we have power to anticipate uh, an unknown future uh, with a sense of hope uh, 
and promise, right? Stories are really powerful. They're so powerful that, in fact, our species, <clears throat> I don't want to go all geeky science on you here, but what we are usually think of ourselves as homo what? Sapiens. Homo sapiens, which means, you know, the ones who are rational, the ones who think. Uh, sapiens is a word that is related to wisdom, right? But uh, a contender, you can look this up, for uh, another name for us as a species is homo nerons, which is another fancy Latin word that's related to the word narrative, which means the ones who tell stories, the ones who understand themselves through stories. Now, given the power of stories, given their significance, um, given the way they help us navigate and understand our lives, it is no surprise at all, uh, in my mind, that Jesus, of course, taught how? By telling stories. Now, he taught using a particular kind of story. It's called a parable. <clears throat> We've talked about parables before. We don't need to get into the technical details. For, for our purposes, it's, it's appropriate just to say he taught by telling stories. And they were good stories and memorable stories, so, so memorable that I think sometimes we forget, you know, I th think, for example, certainly of the story for tonight, but about the Good Samaritan, right? So the Good Samaritan or the prodigal son, um, we sometimes forget those people didn't really live, right? They came from the storytelling imagination of Jesus. Now, and I guess in another way you could say those people have lived in a million ways throughout the centuries because they contain so much truth, those stories. Um, but so Jesus tells stories. One of those stories, of course, is uh, what we call the parable of the prodigal son. If I forget to say a word about titles of parables in a moment, then someone kick me and remind me. Um, but the parable of the prodigal son for Henry Nouwen um, becomes a framework for him to think about his own story, his own narrative. So at the beginning of um, the introduction, don't feel guilty if you didn't read it, but I think that was part of the assigned reading for tonight. Um, <clears throat> the very first sentence, I love this sentence. Um, and again, he had discovered this at, the, at, at large, and it becomes important to him. So he says, during the year after I first saw the painting, The Prodigal Son, my spiritual journey was marked by three phases which helped me to find the structure of my story. I love that. How a story coming from the imagination of Jesus' you know, mind, eventually, much later, centuries later, is turned into a beautiful painting which, by the way, is much larger than this. So, has anyone seen the actual painting? A few of you? Six feet by eight feet. It's in the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. So the story from Jesus turns into a painting by Rembrandt, who, which is viewed by Nouwen centuries later still, and it becomes that story, becomes the framework for him to help him understand his story. And that's the framework we're going to walk through uh, over the next few weeks, the framework of the three primary characters of the story, which, as just an aside, I, I want to just say one word about the titles of parables. Those of you who were at the 
Bible study I did not forget. Um, You know, the titles we give parables are actually, I think, often misleading and not particularly helpful. The, The book is called The Return of the Prodigal Son. What do we call the parable? The parable of the prodigal son. Um, you, you understand, I hope, Jesus did not have titles to his parables, right? He did not have someone walking alongside of him with a big billboard that said, and now, the parable of the prodigal son. Those come later. They're given to the parables by editors. And uh, they're always, they always sort of contain, the titles usually contain just sort of a partial truth about the parables. Um, because, of course, Jesus does talk about the prodigal son, He is one of the characters, but he's not the only character. And the parable, which we just heard read, actually begins how? A man had two sons. And all three of those characters are important. And what Nouwen will help us do in the next few weeks is reflect on, yeah, what does it mean to be the younger son? What does it mean to be the prodigal? And prodigal, by the way, we maybe don't explain this often enough, means wasteful you know, extravagant in a negative way. Someone who just sort of lives in a dissolute way and, and, and exhausts his or her resources. So we'll talk about the younger son, we'll talk about the older son, who's a very interesting character, and we'll talk about the father. Okay? That will be the framework, which again ended up being a helpful framework for now on. All right, so all of that is by way of talking about story. The other word I want to lift up very briefly is homecoming. The story of the prodigal son, of course, is the story of the younger son who leaves his home intentionally, leaves the place of safety, goes out into the world, learns some things about the world and about himself, and ultimately decides what? To come back home. And the simple but profound truth that I want to remind us of here at the start of this series is that I think we, part of the narrative of our lives, right, all of us, is a desire to go back home, which probably means different things to all of us at different times. Um, And what I want to say very simply, uh, but I hope in in an honest and true and profound way, is that here, in this place, we are already home. This is where we can come to be family, as I started talking about. This is where we can come to be honest If nothing else, honest with ourselves and with a God who says, welcome home, I love you. And maybe even, who knows, honest with some of the people we get to know uh, on the journey. So my prayer for us in these next few weeks is that we will be reminded of the significance and importance of story and narrative, and particularly the story and narrative of our homecoming. Uh, And I'm looking forward to journeying there with you. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and loving God, we thank you for the gift of story. We thank you for the stories that Jesus told his followers and the chance to reflect and think about one of those stories in the next five weeks. We pray you will remind us always of your deep love for us and help us to trust and remember that you call us home. All this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.